0: Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us.
1: We're going to be on a special, beautiful message today, and it comes out of 2 Timothy and we're starting with um, 1, I think we go all the way to 7, 1 through 7, 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. And um, like I told um, the group this morning as we were doing our morning meetings, you know, that, that there's a scripture that's my life verse. I'm not going to give it to you now, but you will hear it when God lets us get to it. So if you want to flip to that part, um, this, I'm going to give you a little bit of context of what is happening as this piece of Scripture is being documented, okay? So, the first thing that we know by history is that this letter was written by Paul to Timothy. Okay? So, it was written by Paul to Timothy. and um, But here's the thing that, that maybe a lot of people don't know, or some people, or maybe you all know, I don't know. But Paul... Was in prison when he compiled this letter. Now, I was doing a little research on what Paul's prison looked like because you hear a lot of different stories. Everybody kind of makes up an imagination thing on where Paul was at. But historically, there's a place still over there that they talked about where Paul, they thought Paul to be when he, because this is Paul's last letter that is written. So, so the, the letters to Timothy are some of the last pieces of documentation that he put on paper that are in the scriptures. He might have written some other things, but this is the last thing that we know, a mandate that he gave. And, and they were talking about that there was a, a dark cave, but there's a hole over it where they would drop food and water down into it so that he just kind of stayed into a place like a cave. So I just want you to kind of get a little bit of um of setting up the stage and the scene of what Paul was in. He wasn't in Moss Justice Center and have a door and got to come out, you know, some, so many times a day, or, or where he had interaction with a lot of other people. He was probably in a lot of isolation. It was probably very dim, if lit at all, and it was probably a little bit of moisture because he was just having to deal with what was around. Back then, they didn't build large prisons. They just took caves and carved out places to hold people a lot of times. So I want you to put yourself in the mindset To know that as Paul is writing these words down, that he in his mind probably knows that his death is imminent. He knows that it is time for him and his purpose on earth, following Jesus Christ, proclaiming he to be the Messiah. I believe Paul knows that this is pretty much close to the end for him. And you can see that in the scriptures and even as he talks. So let's read um, 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7 together. And then we'll break it down a little bit, okay? So, let me get over to the side. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues to grow strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Pretty strong words, eh? So let's break it down a little bit. 2 Timothy 1.1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. Can I pray? Holy Spirit, as we go to just decipher your word and what it means to us, Holy Spirit, open up the eyes of our heart. Speak to us now, Lord. Let it be not our opinion, but of your opinion speaking into our lives. God, have your way here today. That as we read your word, as it sinks into our, every cell of our body, and our heart, and our minds, God, may you have your way. May you grow us to be more of your characteristics today through your word. And Lord God, we just thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that is going to speak clearly and vividly and powerfully today. We love you, Father. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. So, Second Timothy one one, we talked about that. It says, "Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, I have been sent out to tell others about the life He has promised through faith in Christ Jesus." See, the role that Paul fulfilled as an apostle wasn't something that he woke up one day and said, "You know what? I think I'll just try being an apostle." Eh, I'm gonna pick that profession. We've got we to make sure we get this first part right. Because when God calls you, it's not something that you get to go and pick the shelf of what you're going to do. The Holy Spirit gives you. God calls you. And when he calls, he can call in soft whispers. He can call in loud, thundering trumpets. But the thing that we need to realize is that, that Paul just didn't pick this apostleship. God chose him. It was chosen for him by God. Think about how deep that is. Each and every person in this room, God has chosen something for you. See, if we decide to do something, we can decide to stop. But if God chooses to decide something for us, we can still stop. But it ain't going to bring forth much pleasure in our life. And that's the difference between being called and making a decision to just do something. God called Paul. And Paul ran a race worthy of bringing God glory. In the second verse, it says, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. See, he addressed Timothy as his dear son. And what we need to understand that is that that Timothy is not Paul's biological son. He is his spiritual son. If you travel into other areas of our world, when I was in Africa, you would hear this a lot of missionaries. They would say, this is my son. And I'm like, they don't look nothing alike. He's saying this is my spiritual son. This is the the man, this is the woman that God has asked me to pour into to love. Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. Basically it states that Paul has discipled Timothy and as a result Paul's heart is very tied to his friend and brother in Christ, Timothy. Timothy. You do not get to walk along holding hands, following Jesus, and growing and learning together without falling deep in love with one another. Notice how Paul is asking the Father and the Son, not just the Father. He says, by the Father and the Son, to give his friend three special things, grace, mercy, and peace. He's in a cave. Having food and water dumped on him. Knowing that he's at the end of his life. And his heart is so tied into the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he's praying for his son, his brother in Christ. To have grace when he falls short. Mercy when it's just too tough to bear. And peace when all hells running loose. Grace, mercy and peace. See, a man in bondage was facing death and he was praying for his friend. Why was he doing that? Because Timothy was the man that God had chosen and put in Paul's life to pick up this banner that Paul had carried out throughout these years, through the shipwrecks, through the snakebite, through all of the bondage, through all of the, 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 the fun times, through all of the sad times. But here was the man that, that, that God had chosen to put in Paul's life to say, pour into him that I may continue my great work through him. And Timothy would carry this banner as Paul's time would come to an end. But Paul knew that to live for Christ was to die to self. How hard is that sometimes, church, that, that, that God wants to do something and he wants to do something other than through you? I don't know if that makes sense to some people here, but I know that for 18 years, Barbara and I started a, the Rock Hill Dream Center. 120 homes adopted. People living in our house. Victories. Defeats. Tears. And after today's date, I'll no longer be the executive director of the Rock Hill Dream Center. Because God now has a man. He says, I want to use him. Pray for him. Love him. To live for Christ is to die to sell. See, Paul knew that It wasn't God's will for Paul to walk out of that prison and to continue to carry on his role. It was to to hand that baton over to young legs, to vibrant minds, so that God get all the glory. Verse 3, it says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I, I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul is saying, I have carried out what God has asked me to do, With all that I have. And through this obedience, he has gotten to encounter Timothy. That we, you know, we can serve the Lord and we're going to fall short. Hallelujah. Don't we all, right? But to know overall, as our walk, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we are called to follow Jesus, can we have a clear conscience on how we follow Jesus? When we get to that day, he says, this chapter's closing. Can you say, I've tried my best, God. I know I've messed it up a ton of times and thank God for grace. But I know I've tried my best. Paul had a clear conscience. And he knew that he could hand this baton over. See, Disobedience had gotten him to encounter Timothy because when you're obedient to God, God brings forth men and women that would blow your mind. I was told a long time ago by a man, I don't even remember who it was, but it was, it was spoken to me many times. And I, y'all haven't heard me say this much. But he says, you go and love the people that nobody wants and God will send you the people that everybody wants. There's so much great men and women in this room right now that can lead. Hmm. And it brought him to a place where he was just thanking God. Secondly, this love for Timothy and the work God has for Timothy compels Paul to do what? What does it say? It compels Paul to do what? Pray. Not only just say a prayer on Mondays when he gets up, Paul's heart was so broken for this young man that he prayed for him not only day, but he also prayed for him at night. He didn't just say a prayer in his quiet time in the morning, that he was praying for the work that God was going to do through Timothy to propel and to push forward the gospel, that it compelled him to pray day and night. Paul could have easily said, God, Look at my circumstances. I'm wearing my food because they're dumping it on me. God, don't you love me? All the years that I poured into what you've called me to do, and this is the way it's going to end? That would have been really easy for him to have that prayer, amen? But he didn't because he had the heart of God. And it compelled him to pray for the mission and the vision of God. And God will use who he chooses to use. Hmm. Verse 4. And he says, and I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. See, the tears Timothy shed for his friend Paul confirmed to Paul this deep brotherly love that they had for one another. See, this is a beautiful byproduct of discipleship. You walk and do life with each other, you're going to hurt each other. I'm going to get off script. Do y'all know how different Garrett Bowman and Paul Crosby is. There are days we just had to look at each other and turn around and walk away. Because we see things totally different. But the love that we have for one another because of the walk that we've done for each other and with God over the past three years is deep and there's nothing that can take that away. That is what is happening here with Paul and Timothy. That there is deep love for one another. And it was such a deep love that Timothy had tears when they were separated. But this is a byproduct of discipleship. Hearts joined together. Hearts joined together by the blood of Jesus Christ. We talk about it all the time, to have relationship with God and to have relationship with one another. If you're unwilling to have relationship with someone in this church, you've got to ask yourself, is this the church I'm called to be at? It's nothing wrong with you if you don't feel like it is. It just means that God said, I called you to have relationship with someone. Let me help you find that person. How sad of a story that we could go through 40 or 50, 60 years of our life and never let anyone in our life to have our hearts bound together. Hmm. So we have to remind ourselves again, Paul's facing death. And he most likely, according to this scripture, it says that. what does it say? And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. When, when Paul writes that down on that scribe, on that piece of paper, He's knowing that he will see Timothy again in heaven. It's not like, hey, we're going to get out and we're going to go over to IHOP again the next month and hang out. Or we're we going to go and hit the golf course like me and Garrett's been planning to do several times in the next spring. No, Paul's in a place where he says, I won't, I won't be able to touch you anymore, Timothy. I won't be able to embrace and hug you and to encourage you and to pick you up. The next time I see you, our joy will be complete because we will be together in heaven. How deep is that? It can make us put everything in context of how our agendas roll. Amen. Verse 5, it says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. See, Timothy had a genuine faith. Paul didn't go up to him and just hit him with something. And like, oh, you got great faith now! When God didn't let Timothy and Paul come together, there was a faith that was already been embedded into Timothy because God used people other than Paul to be able to do that. So faith cannot be manufactured; it can only be developed by the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Oh, y'all y'all harmonizing like we were already. See, as Timothy observes obedience being displayed, and in this case was modeled by his grandmother and his mother. Timothy was seeing God work in and through people that he loved. And that same model stays true to today. It stays true to today. You never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching. When you're going through the things that you didn't think you would ever have to go through. How you're responding to the no's in your life, and how you're humbly accepting the yeses, Amen. See, and as you're watching others, your faith grows in your walk with the Lord. May we all have a Lois and a Eunice in our life, and may we all learn to be like a Lois and a Eunice. Amen. Because there's people, there's grandchildren, there's children, there's husbands, there's wives, there's neighbors, there's co-workers that are just watching so that they may be able to have assured hope in Jesus Christ. Hmm. See, Paul's encouraging Timothy to let his faith continue to grow strong. Not just to have faith, he said. He said, but my spiritual son, I want you to have a strong faith. I don't want you to just believe. I don't want you to just have a belief that, 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 that prompts you to, to maybe do something here and there. And he says, I want you to have a strong faith. Because it's going to take a strong faith, Timothy, to, to carry this banner. Because there's going to be persecution. There's going to be, there's going to be beatings. There's going to be so many things that you have to go through. And see, church, quite honestly, I love this church so much. You know why? Because there are battle-tested people sitting in these seats. And they tried for years to find freedom in their own strength. And that one day they got to the end of their rope, and they not only had faith, but they had a strong faith. How can I get overcome this? Statistics say two or three out of ten only ever make it from this. Well, statistically, my God don't care about statistics. <laughs> Statistically, my God says that he gets the final call on all things. Doctors give you a timeline on your life. Well, my God gets to make that final stamp. Amen. We can stand truth on that, can't we, Barbara? Amen. Because We have what? Strong faith. But there's days when our faith isn't strong, and that's when we need a Paul in our life to remind us of who our God is to have strong faith. So who are you letting in your circle? Who are you letting speak to you? Who are the ones that you're letting to be able to pray over you? Who are the ones that you're letting to cheer you on and to fan the flame and the ember that's going strong in you? Who are the people that are speaking life in you? Hmm. Verse 6, it says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. See, Paul prayed for Timothy Oh, this is good stuff, Mr. Jim. Oh, We'd be doing this stuff up in the 21st century. Anointing. Paul prayed for Timothy, but God was the giver of the gift. Paul knew in that cave he had nothing to offer but Jesus. And Paul said, I want to lay my hands on you. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't move, you will not be able to embrace the gift that God has given you. It has to come from God. Amen. The only thing that we can do as followers of Jesus is be the best followers of Jesus that we can be. And humbly, humbly, humbly tell others of how good our God is. It is Timothy's responsibility to take this gift and to fan it into flames by using it for God's glory. That's why he says, this is why I remind you, Timothy. Paul's no longer going to be able to fan that flame. He says, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. How do you do that? Through submitting. Through praying through crying, through reading. Through just saying, I don't know. I don't have the answers, God. Will you bring forth and put men and women around me? John Maxwell said one time, or it might have been Carnegie. I was reading two different books, but I think it was Maxwell. He said, all I do is just put people around me that are smarter than me and love them. It's funny how success works. (laughs) God's spirit and move can just work in our lives. See, the same truth goes for us as followers of Christ. We have been given a spiritual gift. Will we let it lie dormant or will we let it burn hot inside of us by using it for God's glory? But everybody in here that has been adopted into the kingdom by the Holy Spirit, By the Holy Spirit, filled us up by Jesus Christ making a way. Every person in here has an ember lying inside of them. Glowing, fading in and out. And it's when you come to the place where you understand your new name and who God created you to be. That you start fanning that ember, that it roars into a raging fire that the gates of hell cannot withstand against. In verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Lastly, Paul was reminding Timothy what was not given to him and what was given to him. He said, i tell you what God didn't give you. Brother Joe, God didn't give you fear. Amy, God didn't give you fear. Jim and Susie, everybody that sees me right now, If you have fear and anxiety in your life, it is not from God. Somebody needs to hear that here today. God does not grow his church out of fear. Fear is from Satan. God has not given you a spirit of fearfulness, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That is the verse that Pat Morrison, 17 years ago, said, I need you to start saying this scripture to yourself Every day as many times as it takes. Because quite honestly, I was scared to stand before people. I literally would shake so bad standing before people that I couldn't even hold a piece of paper and read off of it. Took zeros in school because I would not stand before people and talk. I was so ashamed of how my dialect and how my words came out. And I had so low self-esteem in myself. And I had a man, I had a Paul. In my life who says, here's a piece of scripture that speaks into what you're struggling with. And I just started believing what that scripture says. I truly don't care what people think about when I get up and start preaching and acting all silly and stupid. I got one audience and it's God. I love everybody in this room. But I'm not here to please you. And that Paul wasn't there to please Timothy. He was there to pour every bit of the, the love and, and the encouragement into his son, Timothy. I didn't want that to come out sounding wrong. I cry over everybody in this room, and I don't want nobody to leave here. But we just got to put our eyes on God. Please hear my humble heart. He said we just got to be to a place where we can't be pleasing men and women. I think that can kind of catch us off guard, and we can run around like crazy trying to please men and women. But he did tell him that you have power, love, and self-discipline. Where did his power come from? Anybody? From God. The Spirit of God lived in him, right? Where is is the the beginning of the love that he had? He said you have power, love, and love is who? Love is God. And self-discipline. Yes, God can discipline, God can create disciplines, but it is up to us to learn to grow in self discipline. That was one of the, I told Garrett this week, I said, you know the word for 2024 for the Dream Center Church and for me is consistency. I don't care how little we get to do at this church in 2024, but we are going to do it consistently. Consistently. Blah, blah, blah. Consistently. Can't you say the word much Let's do it, Jack. Consistently. We want to have self-discipline. So, to be honest, each and every one of us needs to be reminded at times of what God has given us and who we are. Amen? Is that not true for all of us? Do y'all struggle like I struggle with that sometimes? That you just need somebody in your life to say, I hear Amy say sometimes, she said, Paul, I needed to hear that today. I wasn't thinking that's why I was calling her to say something. She just said, I needed to hear that today. But I'm really quick to generally sometimes speak words to tear someone down versus to build them up. That's where I want to ask for y'all to pray for me, to be an encourager, not a discourager. But we, we have to know that we all need to be reminded at times of what God has given to us and who we are. So if we're lucky, if we're lucky, we get a Paul in our life. We get a man or a woman who, despite everything that's going on, is going to love us, is going to pray for us, is going to encourage us, is going to speak truth over us. Who's not going to hear us, tell us what we want to hear, but going to tell us things that God says to speak to them. So if we're lucky, we get a Paul in our life. And if we're real lucky, by the grace of God, we are fortunate enough to get a Timothy. My friends, I've been blessed, so blessed, to not only have Pauls in my life, but also to have Timothys in my life. And Garrett Bowman is a gentleman that I would consider some days, he's a Paul in my life. But a lot of days he's a Timothy in my life. I love him so much. And I'm honored that Garrett Bowman has let me play up the part of Paul in his life for the last three years. And it brings me great joy. And tears that I get to send, we get to send, he and Maddie, into the calling that God has for them next. I'll read this piece of scripture, Garrett, and I want you to walk up here. If you flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 5, it says this. It says, Timothy. He's going to speak for a few minutes. You're going to come up here, girl. You come on, girl. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Garrett. Be strong. Maddie, be strong. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. That's 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. With that being said, I want to let you all hear from Garrett and Maddie
0: Bowman. Thank you, Paul. That's very sweet. Um, I I really, I had to write things down because if I don't, I'll I'll babble and I'll get emotional and we won't get through this. Um, But I want to just say thank you. I I really do think that that's the best um, little bit that we can say as uh, the Bowmans is just to say thank you to this church. Um, Thank you for letting me lead and learn. Thank you for letting me fail. Um, Thank you for giving us a chance to live at the Pond House over there at the Reed Road property and Uh, get on our feet in our early marriage and to be a part of that ministry there in its early stages. Um, Thanks for standing by our side whenever we went through a lot through school systems and um, accusations in the classroom that some of you know about that we were um, walking through carefully but that you prayed for diligently. Um, I reflect back on that time. I learned so much about the church. I think we both did um, and the importance of the local body through that hard time that we went through. Um, definitely the hardest thing we've been through as a couple um, and I hope will be the hardest and it'll stay in the past um, but you guys were there for us you showed us what the power of the local church can be and what family can be and your prayers thank you whenever um, Maddie's grandmother passed away and my father was sick that you prayed for us over and over again asked how you could serve us you guys have been a faithful and loving church to us in so many ways And I thank you for the opportunity to be an executive director. Um, It's not something that I think that I would have put on my potential uh, positions for my future. And um, Maddie and I were reflecting a little bit yesterday about um, just how God can use his people to grow us into the future that he has planned for us. And in so many ways, I felt unqualified in my life. And I was unqualified whenever I got hired here. Um, And I'm sure many of you think that you're unqualified in ways that God has called you to step forward. But I want to encourage you today that God doesn't call the old man or the old woman. He calls the new one, the one that Christ died for on the cross. And, And because of that death on the cross and his resurrection and his blood shed over you, you're qualified. You have every qualification that you need. To do what it is that God's called you to do. And so move forward, church, in that power that you're given. And focus on that new life. And for some of you that have been believers for a long time, it might be a new chapter. It might not be a new life that you're focused on so much. You've, you've been in the new life. You've been born again for a while. But for you, it might be a new chapter. It might be a new chapter here at this church or another one like Maddie and I's. Um, and even sometimes churches and organizations go through new chapters. Um, I think you guys are entering into that as the Dream Center Church, and I know that the Dream Center organization, which tomorrow will be called a Hand Up Ministries, will also be entering into a new chapter. And so as that new chapter comes, um, Paul asked if I would share a little bit today about what that um, new structure will be like over at A hand up ministries but I think that time will come I'm not going to do a whole lot of that this morning I I know that I will look forward to opportunities to come back here and to visit and to share what's going on at a hand up and in the meantime I want to charge you guys with something that will help that ministry grow and be sustained and move forward and that's to care for Amy Amy is an anchor over there at that ministry in a good way not to hold back but to ground us um, and she serves and pours herself out over there. And so church, as her church family, I want to ask you boldly to pray over her, to protect her, to care for her and her family so that she can bring her best into that battlefield that we enter into over at A Hand Up every day. The same way that you've loved and encouraged Maddie and I in the past, I ask that you would do that for each other and for Amy. And, and even more so, it can't be about the staff Um, The hand up ministries or at the church or it can't be about the elders it has to be about family and each other and so I know that today you guys are going to pray over us and send us out but I also want to take a moment to read a blessing over you that comes from Colossians it's Colossians chapter three starting in verse one and it's subtitled living the new life it says since you have been raised to new life with Christ set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts and whatever you do or say do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father